Hello, welcome to Flyer Pandemonium. This is a podcast slash audio blog about video games. I'm honest, a little nervous doing this first episode, but hey, you gotta take that first step. It's what it's all about. Some people just don't take the first step and, you know, nothing ever comes from it. So it's all about that first step sometimes. So without any more interruption, let's get on with the actual review of Kirby's Adventure. Back on April 27th, 1992, Kirby's Dreamland made its debut on the Nintendo Game Boy. Most gamers know about Kirby right now, the little pink puff. But hey, just like the show, you gotta get started somewhere. You gotta start somewhere, you know? Fun fact, in Kirby's Dreamland, he was actually white due to the color limitations of the Game Boy. It wasn't until Kirby's Adventure, which we'll talk about here in a little bit, he became that iconic pink color. I like to think he ate, like, nuclear Pepto-Bismol from eating so much and he got a stomach ache, so he ate this nuclear Pepto-Bismol and then turned into his pink color. That's just, that's just my theory. Call it a game theory. Call it what you will. That's a good idea. Someone should do that. Anyway, let's have a flashback to 1993. Bill Clinton's now president, Jurassic Park just hit theaters, and Kirby is about to make his debut on the Nintendo Entertainment System. He was hungry for more. Keep in mind with it being 1993, the Super Nintendo was already at its full stride. So having Kirby on notes nearly obsolete hardware is kind of a weird call, but eh, whatever works. So what makes Kirby different from, say, your Mario Brothers or your Mega Man games? Kirby, I think it's supposed to be designed with the idea of a entry into video games. You know, kind of baby's first video game. I know we say that sometimes it's kind of an insult, but I mean, like it, like again, like the show, you gotta start somewhere. You gotta walk before you can run. Yes, the original Kirby's Dreamland on the Game Boy was easy by design, but it was a little too, let's say, simple. Kirby's gimmick was that he can take other people's abilities by sucking them up and eating them. However, this was not the case in the original Kirby's Dreamland. It was not until the NES debut of Kirby and Kirby's Adventure that he got the ability to suck up other enemies and take their powers. This might be due to criticism from Kirby's Dreamland for being a little too simplistic, like I said before. Also worth noting that the original Kirby's Dreamland only had four levels. No, not four worlds, four complete levels. It was the Game Boy, so there were going to be limitations. Taking other enemies' abilities really added adds a replayability to the game. Something that was really lacking in Kirby's Dreamland. Kirby's Adventure was released in the summer, spring-ish time of 1993. Sure, other people talk about other great Nintendo Entertainment System games such as your Super Mario Bros. 3, your Metroids, and your Legend of Zeldas, but I always felt like Kirby's Adventure was very overlooked. Yes, the game is a little on the easy side, but it is supposed to be designed to be someone's first platformer. Also remember that hard doesn't always mean good. I feel like people who play video games today kind of forget that, you know, you have the popularity of games like Dark Souls, but I feel like we forget that there's more to video games than just being hard and difficult and just trying to beat them. You know, it's not about the destination, it's about the journey. Anyway, let's talk about the story. King Dedede, the self-proclaimed king of Dreamland, has stolen the Star Rod from the Fountain of Dreams, and now everyone in Dreamland can't dream. So I guess it just makes it land? Anyway, it's now up to Kirby to get the dreams back and return the Star Rod to its rightful place. Once the game starts up, you get a little demo about how to draw Kirby. Pretty much a circle, some eyes, and a smile, and boom, you got Kirby. I think its simplicity really adds to its cuteness. Arms and legs, I should probably point out that it has arms and legs. The game does have a save feature, which I feel like a lot of NES games could benefit from. At the start of each world, we get an animation of Kirby and some enemy you know, interacting with one another. The first one we see is Kirby going face to face against a sword enemy. Kirby ends up swallowing it up and begins the sword power. This shows the player the, let's call it the gimmick of Kirby, what makes it stand out from everything else. One of the things that stand out in this game is how the overworld's done. You have an order of doors to go through, and depending on which door you go through depends on which level you do. 
Of course, they are number one through whatever, depending on how many levels there are in each world. There's also a few other doors that do different things, but we'll get to that later. Instead of just having a simple, here's the first level, go ahead and go, there's more of an overworld to it. There's more interaction to it. Kind of reminds me of the map in Mario 3. Well, as overworld as you can get on the Nintendo Entertainment System. So you enter the first level and you get a very whimsical, very uplifting tune. That's kind of been a staple with Kirby games, is it's always a happy-go-lucky mood. I mean, there are times the games do get dark, but most of the time it's very cheerful. I think that's a big appeal with Kirby games. They're simple, but not too simple, at least after Kirby's Adventure. I think it's uplifting and colorful. There's not really a ton of stress or fear about game overing and having to start over. It's like someone telling you, hey, it's cool, don't sweat it. It's all about having fun. And at the end of the day, isn't that what video games are supposed to be? Fun? I guess it depends on the game, but I digress. The game quickly gives you some pretty simple baddies at the first level. You can suck them up and spin them out depending on which enemy you swallow, or you can gain your power depending on the enemy. This makes the player want to try different things and find out, hey, which bad guys give me what powers? It's kind of like a kid in a candy store if you, want, you just want to try everything. I feel like at this point the player is already merged into the game, they understand what it is, and they want to try more things with it, you know, they want to tinker with it. We're not even halfway through the first stage and this game's already succeeded in grabbing the player. Not far into the first level, we get a wall that Kirby just simply can't jump over. That's when we get another one of Kirby's great abilities. He has the ability to fly by using the up on the pad, showing the player how to play by design of the level rather than just telling you. Show, not tell. However, later on in this level, there's an enemy that also flies high and you can't just simply fly over it. It shows the player that, hey, you can't just fly over everything, you actually gotta think things out. Sorry, this game's easy, but it's not that easy. Each stage ends with Kirby passing through a door with a star on it. Then we get our first after-stage bonus stage minigame thing. Kirby's set on a trampoline which the player must hit A at the exact right time in order to get to the highest possible platform. Get to the highest platform, you can score a free 1-up. First time doing this, the player will likely mess up because they're just not ready for it, which I'll admit, that makes sense, but after each stage, you do eventually get the hang of it. Every time you get the highest platform, you just feel like, yeah, I got it! In the second level, Kirby will enter a door where there's a ton going on. In fact, this is where we run to probably my biggest flaw of the game. The game definitely has slowdown issues. This mostly happens when you have a ton going on at once, get hit, or use the spark ability. With all the game's color and all the animation going on, that the NES is definitely getting pushed to the max with this game. People don't realize frame rate was really something that people really didn't really think about back in the 90s. It's a bigger deal now than it was back then. I'm not one to get upset about low frame rates, but when it starts eating inputs, it gets a little annoying. There are also three mini games that you can play that you'll find throughout the overworld. One that's you taking control of a crane, you're trying to get the biggest Kirby doll. The bigger Kirby doll you get, the more lives you will get. One is an A game where you're trying to eat as many eggs as you can, but if you eat a bomb, the minigame ends. And then my favorite minigame is the quick draw minigame. This game's all about quick reactions. Once you see draw, hit A. That's all there is to it. Easy to learn but hard to master because you gotta be quick on some of these. Midway in the stage 2 we meet our first mini boss. Solve his pattern, beat him, and eat him. Kirby gets the ability called Crash. Most enemies beforehand were pretty self-explanatory like say fire or sword. Right after the mini boss, there are three baddies in your way, so the player gets curious and decides, what am I going to do? What's Crash do? Crash is what I like to call a screen wipe, where it just wipes out all the enemies off the screen. This is great design by using the player's curiosity about what Crash does and having a good example of using it right in front of you. Get through stages 3 and 4 and we finally meet our first world boss. It's up being the giant tree known as Wispy Woods, which has become a staple in every Kirby game. It's stranger not to have a Wispy Woods boss in Kirby than it is to have one. It's like having a Sonic game with no running 
or a Mario game without jumping, or a Bethesda game without glitches. What enemy we do run into later on in the game is called a Scarfy, so the first reaction is just, you know, eat it, you know, take its ability. However, if you do this, it will chase you and attack you. It shows the player, hey, you can't just eat your way through this game, just like the example I had before about flying, you can't just fly over everything and beat the game. Did I mention how fantastic this game looks? Some of these backgrounds are some of the best I've seen on the Nintendo Entertainment System, to the point I'm actually surprised it's on the Nintendo Entertainment System to begin with. The Nintendo Entertainment System has been out for, say, five years at this point, so it's not too surprising that people have figured out how to work the technology better. Still, for the Nintendo Entertainment System, this game looks pretty good when it runs fine. There's just, well, the slowdown. One miniboss you keep running into is a swordsman named Meta Knight. He orders out an attack and has his goons go after you. This happens constantly in the game and you start to develop a rivalry for Meta Knight. Kind of that feeling of like, okay, when am I going to get him? When am I going to get him? When am I going to get him? And then at World 6 at the end, you finally get the one-on-one -on -one showdown with the guy. And when you do, it's one of the best fights in the game. He makes you pick up a sword and it's just a one-on-one -on -one sword fight to see who the better man is. Or Kirby... thing. What even is Kirby? One enemy I find that's kind of funny is an enemy that sleeps. If Kirby eats it, well, he also falls asleep. What am I dreaming about? Well, I don't know how, because Kirby can't dream because he's in Dreamland and people can't dream. That's kind of the plot of the story. Oh well, it's not important. One of the levels in World 7 is actually a flashback to Kirby's Dreamland. Everything's in black and white, and it's actually really cool looking. Nowadays we have games that always do that in the whole nostalgic level and they always bring you back, so something like this for the NES in 93 is pretty cool. At long last we arrive at the Fountain of Dreams to get our one-on-one -on -one showdown with the king himself, King Gedidi. This in my opinion is definitely the hardest boss in the game. I know the game's designed to be someone's first platformer, but even I had trouble with King Gedidi. Defeat King Dedede and return the Star Rod back to its place. You did it, you beat the- uh, wait a minute, that's not over yet. Now you hit a two-stage battle against the real final boss of the game, the Nightmare. However, we got this. We got the Star Rod for this fight. Another tricky boss fight, once you get his pattern down, it's not too bad. At least I thought Dedede was harder. When it's all said and done, I feel like Kirby's Adventure doesn't get the respect it deserves. Great graphics, killer soundtrack, great gameplay. Honestly, in my opinion, I put this up there with one of the greatest platformers on the Nintendo Entertainment System, alongside Mario Bros. 3 or Mega Man 2. It even got an awesome remake on the Game Boy Advance in 2002 called Kirby Nightmare in Dreamland. The two things I really have a problem with is the game slows down at times and the enemy responds are kind of ridiculous. This game's taking the Nintendo Entertainment System to its limits, so I mean, I mean, God, it's trying. Kirby would go on after this to make countless more games, toys, and he even got a TV show called Kirby Right Back At Ya. You can find the original copy of this game without too much problem, but you could probably be better off getting a re-release on the NES library on the Nintendo Switch or the NES Classic. Or even try it on Game Boy Advance with Nightmare in Dreamland. It's a really good remake, try it out. If I had to score this game on a scale of 1 to 10, I'd probably give it an 8 or an 8.5 out of 10. If you're looking for a platforming game that's just fun, enjoyable, and just puts a smile on your face, I would highly recommend Kirby's Adventure. Keep on sucking, Kirby. Keep on sucking bad guys, not like bad sucking. I, I'm gonna go now. Thank you for listening to this show and hearing me ramble about a video game for the last 11 minutes. If you can, please give me some feedback. I want to make the show the best it could possibly be, but I can't do that without your help. I hope to get to a schedule and hope to do an episode weekly about a video game or video game topic. Anyway, thank you for listening.